Welcome, Redeem family. Thank you so much for joining us online this morning. Hey, I just want to acknowledge one thing. We have been doing a 24-7 prayer week where we've been praying for the body. So you have been prayed over this week. And I'm so proud of this body. We had 168 slots to fill because we were going from uh, midnight to midnight every night for a week. And we had them almost all filled. And I was so encouraged with the words and the visions and the excitement that came around our church. So just know that you have been prayed for. And I want to ta- start off talking about, like I usually talk about, podcasts. Now, if you've, if you've watched any of my sermons, you know I have a little bit of a podcast obsession. I think at one time I was subscribed to over 50 podcasts. And so, you know, I have like, I don't even know what, 64 gig iPhone. And I think I filled the whole thing up basically with audio files from all my podcasts. Now, I've stepped it down a little bit and I've stayed focused, but I've been listening to this podcast that's been really interesting, that's been going along with uh, this sermon series, which has been about Nehemiah and rebuild leadership lessons for when things fall apart. And so this whole podcast that I've been listening to is dedicated to church leaders, and it's focused on how to figure out moving forward after a complete upside down year of 2020 and what the world looks like. Now, the case that they're making that as we move forward in the world is that we have moved from a complicated world to a complex world. And I'll talk about it real quick, but in summary, the idea is that a complicated world is actually simpler, and it's where we came out of. And in many ways, as you face problems, you could think about or solve that problem in a linear way. As a church, you could create programs that would help people in a linear way in a complicated world. You were presented with a a challenge, and through strategic thinking, you could basically figure out a way to move forward. But with globalization, with the rapid movement of of information through the internet, uh, with us being much more vulnerable, and as people get more disconnected from human contact, we are moving into what they're calling a complex world. In short, a complex world is there are many things moving all at once, and you don't know where they're going to come from, and they come at you quickly. Can you feel that? Can you feel that that's the world that we are moving into? And so the, this podcast was talking about as believers, we actually have to move away from programs and start focusing on spiritual practices. We gotta move back to the old way of faith where we're focused on spiritual practices. Now, we as God's people no longer can just read a book or listen to a sermon or attend a class and, and, and get things figured out in our life. In a world where everything is moving forward at rapid, fast pace, we need to focus on the practices of our faith, the practices of our faith to keep connected to the living God for when the world swirls around us, that connection is so important in this new complex world. And so practices are like prayer and silence and Bible memorization and Bible reading and fasting and journaling and reflecting on our lives. And one one thing that I wanna talk about is we're gonna see in Nehemiah and elsewhere in the Bible is an important spiritual practice that I think we have lost in many ways in this complex world. And so we're gonna talk about that as we move forward. 
But this is the final week of this sermon series looking at Nehemiah called Rebuild. And I want to remind us, not like recap it, but remind us of why we did this sermon series. Now, I'm not going to recap because you can find everything on our website or on our YouTube channel or on our podcast. Yes, subscribe to our podcast. Uh, I'm subscribed. It's one of my 50. But you can watch all of our sermons there and walk alongside us as we look at Nehemiah. But I want to talk about what we're, we're talking about with Nehemiah because it, you may be going through something right now. You may just be on the back end of going through something. And if you are not currently going through something in a complex world, in a world that's broken and fallen, you will soon be going through something. And so at some point in the future, you will be faced with a challenge and something that needs rebuilt in your world. And as we move into this complex world, more things that are precious to God will need to be rebuilt. And who's going to do that? You and me. And we are going to do this together. And like Nehemiah, we're going to have to fight and we're going to have to build and we're going to have to protect and we're going to have to stand up for what is right in this world. It will take leadership. It will take determination. It will take the Lord's favor. It will take us being willing to lament and to pray and to fast and to get to work to not just build a wall, but we're actually going to build the kingdom together. Amen. And today we're going to talk about what happens after the, the, the Israelites succeed in building the wall and an important practice that we must put into that I don't think is really part of our culture. And as we unpack this, this practice is going to be significant to us as individuals, to your families, to us as a church, and ultimately we'll see it's going to be for generations after us, which is amazing. So now as we talk about facing difficult situations, I want to begin this sermon really talking about one of the toughest times in my life. And I want to talk about when I experienced a panic attack. You know, I, 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 I'm naturally, some people call me like the energy, the, the energetic bunny or like a dog that's just running around like a crazy man. But I really do have an anxious personality. If you've ever hung out with me, you know that. I'm always moving and grooving. I can't sit still. But this is something that uh, really is something that's just part of me. And I want to acknowledge that many of you can relate to this, right? Many of you live in this kind of anxious world in the inside as well. And first, before I begin talking about my panic attack, I want to say this as clear as can be. As a church, we want to be there for you because I know so many of us are suffering with this and we want to bring freedom to you. Look, I'm on the journey of freedom and the road to the freedom and God has met me in my anxious moments like never before, but we want to be a church that's all about meeting you where you're at and walking alongside you. But to go back to the story, I was in my early 20s I had just, Megan and I had just been married only a few years and work was really stressful. My, my old job, I was traveling at least two or three times a month on the road, had a ton of stuff coming at me. Uh, I was kind of, it's my wiring and my upbringing that I'm just kind of an anxious person. And I'm also wired where I'm an Enneagram one. So I don't like to do anything wrong. And my trigger, as crazy as this sounds, my trigger was, I couldn't find this one document for taxes and taxes were due that week. And it was just this crazy moment where I just got overwhelmed and felt overwhelmed and couldn't even figure out what was up and what was down. And it was this moment, many of you might have experienced this, where you're so overwhelmed, you can't even think straight. Now, 
Meg, when I was married, my mom had told Meg, you know, I was a runner in high school and college, and my, my mom said to Meg, whenever I get out of control, to tell him to go run. So that's what Meg did. That's the only thing that Meg said, you need to go on a run. Now, I hadn't run for like, I don't even know, a, a few years, let's say. I was still in my 20s. My metabolism was still working really good. I didn't have to run. I'm back on the running world now, but that was not where I was. And so I went out on a run. Now, I didn't have a watch or anything, but I guarantee you the adrenaline was pumping and I probably ran a sub six minute like for two miles. I was so sore the next day, I could not even walk, but the adrenaline was pumping and I was going. Now when I got home, I sat down and Meg began to talk to me and she asked this question that was so good and so important when I was going through this. She told me to sit there and tell her about different challenges in my life and then to tell her how God, uh, how God moved and came through in those circumstances. She wanted me to go back in one of my lowest moments. She wanted me to go back to other low moments that I had had and to talk about how God had worked alongside me, how God had figured it out for me, how God had moved and remember what God had done for us. And it was so good, but it was actually more challenging than I thought. You know, it wasn't challenging thinking about or remembering the difficult situations in my life. That was easy for me to think of all the negative things that had happened or all the tough times that I've been through, but it was really hard for me to remember how God came through me or in what ways God came through for me. And that moment, I realized that I didn't really have this, this spiritual practice of celebrating and marking these moments that God came through in a significant way. So in a time of need, I couldn't easily remember the ways that God had come through for me and the ways that God had come to protect and provide for me. But for many of us, as we face these challenges in our life, I believe that this practice is gonna be so critical to us as a church and you as an individual to take time to celebrate so that we, that we will remember the things that God has done for us. And that's the practice I wanna talk about today. So today we're gonna to talk about a couple examples in Nehemiah and throughout the Bible that focuses on this. And we're gonna bounce around a little bit because you know I'm like the Energizer Bunny. So Nehemiah 4, we're gonna start there. The wall is still being built. Things are progressing. It's hard work, but like we talked about two weeks ago, we all play a part in the rebuilding of the sacred, right? So let me set the stage here. Marty talked about this last week. Anytime that we're doing something of importance for God, we will face opposition. It's going to come. And so in Nehemiah 4, 7 through 8, we see uh, this. But when Sanballat, Tobiah, and the Arabs, and the Ammonites, and the people of Ashdod uh, heard that the repairs of Jerusalem's wall had gone ahead and the gaps were being closed, they were very angry. They all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. In the sacred work, there will be opposition. There will be schemes of the devil. And there will actually be people who do not want us to be successful. As hard as that is to hear, anytime we're in the kingdom building business, we're going to face opposition. That's just one of the, the rules of the world. But we know that the Lord is with us, right? And so we see as opposition comes, how Nehemiah responds. Nehemiah 4.14. After I looked things over, 
I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. Nehemiah reminds the people this, remember the, word, the Lord and remember the attributes of God, the God who has always been with his people. Remember that great and awesome God is on our side. That's what he says. We see it in Nehemiah 4.20. He reminds them again, in the place where you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there. Our God will fight with us or will, will fight for us. Our God will fight for us. Now, I want to talk about three important areas that I see in the Bible and throughout the Bible that uh, the, this concept of remembering what the Lord has done, and then we'll get back to Nehemiah. But I think it's so important that we understand these are just three areas that we can put this practice of remembering what God's done in our lives. And the first is simply this. The Bible tells us multiple times that we need to remember the story of God, the attributes of God, and the things he's done for generations. In the 77th Psalm, the psalmist reminds us that in a time of great trouble, we must seek the Lord. He describes the comfort that he's uh, found by remembering how God helped the Israelites. So in this Psalm, he, he expresses his anguish and pleading for God in verse 1 through 3. Then he describes his sleepless turmoil in verse 4. I don't know if you can feel that. I, I know me. That's my number one thing. When I'm in a place of turmoil, turmoil, sleepless nights come my way. In his efforts to find some insight and re re resolution to his struggle, and then it happens in Psalm 77, 10 through 12. This shift happens. He says, Then I thought, to this I will appeal. The years when the Most High stretched out his right hand, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will consider all your works and meditate on your mighty deeds. He shifts his perspective. He recalls how he focuses on God's past actions on behalf of Israel. Notice he doesn't just briefly talk about them. He uses this word in, in the ESV, it uses the word ponder or consider. He ponders all your work. He says he meditates on his mighty deeds. He contemplates, he reflects, he spends time to set it into his heart. Unfortunately, like most of the situations we're in, Getting it set in your heart takes time and there's no quick fixes. It does take pondering. It does take meditation. It does take time to think about what the Lord has done. Then we see it again in Deuteronomy 32. Now for context again, or for this, uh, uh, Moses gives the law and delivers the law. Joshua is set to lead after Moses. And here we see this important song that Moses gives to the people of Israel in Deuteronomy 32. And it's one of my favorite chapters in the whole Bible, but we're just going to look at verse 7. It says, Remember the days of old. Consider the generations long past. Ask your father and he will tell you, your elders and they will explain to you. Moses is telling the Israelites to remember the way that God has come through for generations. For generations. 
our roles, listen to me, if you're, if you're of a certain age and our roles as leaders of this church, it says our role as fathers and mothers in your family, in your church, those elders in our church, to teach the younger generation the story of God. Talk about the ways God has delivered his people. Talk about the attributes of God. Talk about the ways that God has delivered you. Let them understand the ways that God has worked through you and with you. And then for those that are upcoming, for the younger people in our church, we need to create a culture where they are searching and asking and listening. We have to create that culture where the generations are coming together to remember the things that God has done. Now we see in verse, uh, the, the second part here for point number two, we see that it's important to remember and be thankful for the people that God has put into our lives, to remember the people that God has put into our lives. This week, I have absolutely loved everyone getting together to pray. Like I said earlier, we've had prophetic words and visions, and we've had uh, people that have called me with just incredible insights and clarity into their life. We've been praying intensely for a new location, as you know. But the best thing that I've heard from everyone who talks to me is that the Lord has been putting people on their minds as they're praying for people. And it's been so amazing because with thankfulness and glad, gladness, people have been praying for each other. And the Lord has called us to remember and thank, be thankful for people. You know, when we face challenges, and we will, remembering the people that God has put into our lives to walk alongside us to accomplish the goal is mission critical. It's mission critical. So I'm going to look at a couple places with Paul, but a couple uh, interesting insight is that somewhere in the early portions of each of his letters, Paul begins with either thanksgiving or with praise to God for the people that they put in their life. I think it's, I believe it's everywhere except for Galatians. And so let's look at Colossians 1, 3 through 4. He says, we always thank God, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all of God's people. And then we see it again in 2 Timothy 1.3. I thank God whom I serve as my ancestors did with a clear conscience as night and day. I constantly remember you in my prayers. Paul, Paul worked and loved Timothy, and, and this is the desire of his heart, is to always remember and to thank God. And so my challenge for you is, is it's important to remember that the people of God, that God has put in your life to help you uh, and to continue this mission, is that it's so important that we express that love to one another. As we face opposition, as we do kingdom work, we've said it over and over again in this church, we must do it in community, side by side. That's the way we're meant to operate. And so I want to challenge you this week. I want to challenge you this week to pray and think of three people that with thanksgiving and gladness and praise, to thank God for them and to write them an encouraging note, to actually reach out to them and let them know what an important role they've played and to tell them that you just, you just thank God for them. And then point number three, and this is where we're going to camp for a little bit. And this might be the one that you are the worst at or that we are the worst at. And it's definitely the one that I'm, I'm the worst at. So I'm going to just go in there and we'll jump back into Nehemiah for this. 
Point number three, we need to celebrate in the moment what God did for us and begin the process of remembering. Again, remember and celebrate the moment that God did for us, the, uh, the moment uh, when God does something for us and begin the process of remembering. So let's go back to Nehemiah 12. The wall is finished, it's rebuilt. So Nehemiah calls the Levites and the priests together and what does he do? Nehemiah 12, 27. And at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, they sought the Levites in all their places to bring them to Jerusalem to celebrate the dedication with gladness, with thanksgiving, and with singing, with cymbals and harps. After months of struggling, building, facing opposition, doubting, believing that God was going to do a, miracle, a miraculous thing, he takes time to dedicate, to set it into their hearts, to set it into their hearts. To celebrate is the beginning of the process of remembering. So often, I, I think we, we, we want to challenge us to really walk into this, into our faith. And so often, we focus on the negative situations, like me back in the day when I had my panic attack. But we, we, we focus on the, the negative. And even though God pulls us out and he works through us and alongside us, we oftentimes don't take time to reflect and to ponder and to meditate on what he's done. We don't actually take time to celebrate it in the moment to begin to set it into motion. And this is actually really interesting because I was reading about this and because this is true from a psychological standpoint as well. And so I've been reading about this thing called negativity bias or the negativity effect. And what the negativity effect is, is it's that, this idea that, that things of a more negative nature, unpleasant thoughts or emotions or social interactions or harmful or traumatic events, they actually have a greater effect on our psychological state than neutral or positive things. So looking at science, we find that negative events and experiences not only imprint more quickly on our brains, but they also linger longer than the positive ones. They actually linger longer in our brains than the positive ones, meaning that it's actually easier to remember the problem and the challenge than it is the positive things that God has done to bring us out of them. You know, in this article it says, negative emotions stir up the alarm bell of your brain and uses about two-thirds of its neurons to look for bad news. Once it sounds the alarm, negative effects and experiences get quickly stored into memory. In contrast to positive events and experiences, which usually needs to be held in awareness for a dozen or more seconds to transfer from short-term memory into long-term storage. Now, I am not saying this as a, po a power of positive thinking. That's not where I'm going with this. But it's true that from science, that it's like the, psalm, the psalmist writes in, in Psalm 77. It says to ponder and meditate on the things that God has done. Because we see that our own brains are actually, there is a battle going on to remember the things that God has done. And it's not just, uh, not just thinking about the oppositions and the challenges. And we see it so often that this is a place where the devil puts a stronghold on people's lives because they focus on the negative and they forget or they don't ponder or meditate or really take that time 
to take the positive of what God does from the short-term memory to the long-term memory and remembering what God has done. In our own lives, we must spend time reflecting on what God's done and what God has brought you out of. What God has brought you out of. Like we see, so we see this in, in 1 Samuel 7. Uh, we need to build these altars to remember. And, and, and maybe in today's world, not literal altars, but mental ones for us. And so let's look at 1 Samuel 7, 10 through 12. While Samuel was sacrificing the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to engage Israel in battle. But that day the Lord thundered with loud thunder against the Philistines and threw them into such a panic they were routed before the Israelites. The men of Israel rushed out of Mitzvah and pursued the Philistines, slaughtering them along the way to a point below Bethkar. Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mitzvah and Shin. He named it Ebenezer, saying, Thus far the Lord has helped us. We see this pattern throughout the story of God. The, the people of God are faced with a challenge that seems too big for them. God comes through in a way we didn't see coming. And then the people of God mark the occasion with an altar or an Ebenezer like the book of Samuel or a dedication and a celebration like in Nehemiah. Now, I believe that God is still working that way today. Can I get an amen on that? I believe that the challenge is that we don't do the latter. We don't recognize and we don't celebrate and we don't mark big events in our life. So it's hard for us to remember what God has done for us. So here's my challenge for you. I want you to actually do this. I want you to take out a piece of paper right now. Get your journal or take out a piece of paper. And I want you to write three challenges that you faced in your life. And then I want you to reflect and to spend time writing about how God has helped you through that. Write about how God has helped you through that. How has he provided protection? How has he been your provider? How has he come through in a simple or radical way? How has he worked through others to help you accomplish the mission that he put in front of you? Take, then take those things and throughout the week, spend time just remembering taking it from that short-term memory to that long-term memory, to set it into our heart and to ponder and to meditate on it. Remember, it takes a lot more time for us to think on the positive things of our life than the negative things and the negative circumstances. But throughout the Bible, we see that God tells us to remember, to remember. And like Nehemiah 12, spend time celebrating and dedicating these big life events where God came through with you for, with joy and thanksgiving and songs and praise. So let me pray for you right now. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for all that you've done through us and alongside of us, for all of us who have just faced difficult situations in our life and, 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 and you've come alongside us to help us overcome. You provided a way you provided protection. You brought people into our lives to help us. Lord, help us to remember the things that you have done. Lord, as a church, help us as the older generation to raise up the younger generation to remember the things that you have done for generations and generations. For us to speak about the things that you've done. To just be uh, so in awe of what you've done that, that people would just be 
just come in alignment with you because of the way that we're living, because we are in awe of who you are and what you've done. Thank you for sending your Son and thank you for sending your Holy Spirit to actively work through us even today in our communities, in our families, with our friends, with our neighbors, with our coworkers. Lord, continue to give us a heart that reaches out to those in need. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, we love you and we will see you next week. If you need anything, you can find us at redeem.church.